0: I wanted to begin, uh, by asking you to ask yourself, um, like, why am I here? So, so I want you to, before we get into this passage, I want you to seriously ask yourself right now, uh, like, why, like, why am I here? Like, why am I here this morning? I mean, like, if if God asked you to give something up this morning, okay, let's say He does that, are you in here right now because you're thinking, like, oh, praise God, like that's why I'm here. I wanted to, I wanted to hear from the Lord, like I wanted to know more of Him, and and I know that when He speaks, I'm like, I can't believe God would take time in this space right now to to show me that, and I and I want to walk in that. Is like, is that why you're here? Like, are you are you here? Because he's like, he's real and, and, and you want to worship him and you want to hear from him and you want to, you want to like open the Bible with me and go, God, like, what do you have to say to my heart? Because I believe I'm here to hear from you. Is that, is that why you're here? And, and some of you, you know, will deep down will go, yeah, you know, that's why I'm here. Um, and so my ask before we start is, will you pray for that? Like, like, will you pray right now? Like, God, I, I want you to get my attention. Like, like you're you're real, and I want to do what you say this morning for me to walk in. I want to do what pleases you. I want to worship you. So will you will you come and speak to me? I want you to I want you to pray that. So here's what we're gonna do. We're just for maybe 30 seconds. <clears throat> we're gonna pray you're going to pray for that and then I'll pray and we'll get into it all right so so you're asking god come love me come heal me come speak to me and whatever heaviness i had all week i want you to address that thing okay it's a scary prayer but i want you to pray for that and then and then i'll pray Father I just I join with all of us here just in desperation to experience the reality of the power of your word. and we were're here because you're a good father and you've brought your kids together for this purpose. And we can't experience your power without the work and the help of the Holy Spirit. So I just ask, Holy Spirit, that you would impact and bring great change. I pray against just the enemy in Jesus' name, any lies in Jesus' name, that you would, when truth is is heard, would would break enslavements to things that are lies. I just, I pray that we would be met with your power this morning. And I I just, I pray we would not tremble out of fear, but we would tremble out of joy that God might actually say something. And I pray we'd be ready. I pray our hearts would go, yeah, that's, I think he's been telling me that for weeks and now I'm gonna obey Or I've been pushing that truth out for weeks and now I'm gonna let the love of God come in in a way I've never had before. So Holy Spirit, I ask for your surgery. I ask for your power. And I pray we would hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so we're in 1 John chapter 2. We're looking at 28 to 310. Oh, by the way, uh, starting now, uh, we have... Uh, A newsletter that's going to be going out bi-weekly. So we just put this on the website and what we want to do with this newsletter is just give you uh, a few things like I'll bring a devotional once a month that just a small thing that I'm praying for us as the church Uh, and then they'll be like here's what's upcoming here's what we need to know about you know for example Christmas Eve and these are ways it's kind of our bulletin because we don't you don't get a bulletin and sometimes announcements are like you know not really heard. So we want to c- communicate in a way that is just helpful and fruitful. And so on that, we'll have like, you know, what we're doing, what's going on, things you can be uh, praying for, like areas that we need help in. And so if God's given you a gift of service and you want to be able to provide that uh, and or you just feel like, hey, I love this church and I haven't done anything in a while, and I think I can do that, uh, that'll be there for you. But here's our ask. We're also going to have like an updated giving at, at the... At the so at least, you know, your body as your family can see how we're doing financially. But our ask is that you would take this newsletter and turn it into a prayer list. So so we're going to, you know, we're going to, uh, a, a real special number for us is 401, because we launched as the Shore Church on April 1st. So that's, you know, 401. And then our, our building where we meet midweek that we prayed through and really feel that like God, the Holy Spirit led us to have uh, is the numbers 401. And so we're going to send this newsletter out at 401. Uh, like, you know, in two or three weeks when we send the first one. And my ask is that you would either put an alarm in at 401 or when you get this newsletter, you would just stop and you would pray. You would pray through it. You would just go, okay, God, this is what's coming up. I pray that you would move in power here, or here's a need right now, or here's our finances, like plunder the Egyptians and bring someone to give, like whatever it is, like you pray. And if the Spirit leads you and someone comes to mind, I know it's like, uh, but call them, call them and go. Hey, I just got the newsletter. It's four one. Can we pray together for this thing? And just turn into a prayer list. All right, all right, okay, good. All right, let's read our passage. Uh, so you can sign up. But what we need you to do is just go to the website and put your email in. And you know it's MailChimp, so you'll get a news you'll get a newsletter. All right, First John two. And now little children, abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence And what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. And you know that he appeared to take away sins and in him there is no sin And no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning." All right, so we're gonna look at three uh, joys, unchangeable realities or truths um, that are simultaneous in the life of every uh, Christian. These are three joys, three things that are happening in your life if you're a believer. We're gonna look at the joys of our position, uh, the joys in this passage of our perspective, and then third, the joys of our practice. Um, so the first, the joys of our position. We're going to look at three verses that, that are woven throughout our, our passage that speak to our position. So we're looking at the joys we have in our position as children of God. So that's the first, first one. Okay, so, so the first, where, where do we see this in our passage? Uh, the first one is in verse one of chapter three. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and look at that. He starts out this way. He says, see what kind of love the father has given. Not will give or may give, or if you do this, will give, but has given. See what kind of love the father has given. The NIV uses a word has lavished, lavished. And so what's the first truth of our position? while well, we're loved. We're loved, we have the love of the Father and it's a love that was given to us. And and what is this given love that shows us the truth that we have the Father's love, that it has been given because you wanna know, how do we know that the Father's loving and he's given us this love? See what kind of love the Father has given us that we should be called that we have a position, an identity of what? Children of God. And so we are. Uh, that's breathtaking. In, uh, in Galatians 4, 4, Paul, in a, in a like... Uh, panoramic, beautiful way, he says it this way, but when the fullness of time had come, when, when God's perfect timing and all the prophecies were coming to this fulfillment moment where everything was aligned up in how God wired it to be for this moment in our history, in human history, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, Born under the condemnation of, of, of as humans, we're under the law. We all know that we're to love God, love one another. It's in us. We know when we lie, we have this, we have this law over us, who's born under what we've been born under to redeem those who are under the law, so that, why? That we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. So what Jesus was sent to procure at the cross by redeeming us, by taking our sin and the payment that we deserve on the cross, and he died for that, what he was purposing and doing in that moment was to give us adoption, as sons, as family heirs, being bought into a family. Uh, the, The firstborns, they received everything. And so Jesus was the firstborn God, representing all of us who would be in his family so that what he gets, we get, so that God the Father will love you with the same compassion, passion, and fervor as he loves his own son, Jesus, so that we could be brought into his family. And then because of the Spirit, of Jesus, his son, we now, by the spirit, are crying something out in our hearts. What are we crying out in our hearts? Abba Father. He says, beloved, we are God's children now. This is is true right now. This is the position you have as a believer. It's the position you will always have. You will always have in God's heart what you have right now in eternity. That won't go higher or lower. That's your position. So let me ask you a personal question if it's okay. You know what, let me pray. Holy Spirit, I just ask right now that if there's some wounds in, about, in what I'm about to do, Ask that you would be so gentle and so helpful in Jesus' name. Let me ask you this question. When you were a child, what was it that you craved to hear, that you hungered to experience from your earthly father? Some of you teenagers right now, you you can answer that pretty quickly. But let me ask it again, when you were a child, what was it that you craved to hear or you hungered to experience from your earthly father? And don't just wait for me to, to, to like say what's next, I want, you to, I want you to think about that answer because it's gonna affect how you live and how, what you believe about what the Bible's about to tell you. Maybe, it was protection. Maybe it was just like interest. Maybe you just crave, like the, like just notice me. Or, a, or it was a word of affirmation, like I'm proud of you, or guidance, like you actually care about my life and you actually are speaking into it. Uh, how many of you growing up, that's what you crave? One of those things where, where you can tell you, even still you crave it today. Like you think if I could just get the acceptance of my father and, and, and so you tried, you got, you tried to get the grades you thought he would want you to get. And you, you know, maybe some of you grew up in like a religious environment where like your dad never showed you his own life and struggles. And so for you, it was just, if I just, if I could not sin, if I could show him that I'm a good kid, then he'll, then he'll love me. Then he'll love me. I don't, know, I don't know what it is for you, but whatever it was, John wants you to know. Now catch this, you've received everything you're wanting from your earthly fathers in Jesus, you've received that by your heavenly father. And you may need to ask the Holy Spirit to this morning to push this truth in. And, and some of you, you need to hear something right now that I need to tell you is, is you love doctrine. Some of you love doctrine and you should. But this is as serious as believing this truth as it is believing the doctrine of the Trinity or believing in the deity of Christ. It's as serious that you believe this truth that John is saying that it comes in in functional ways because it's gonna shape in the same way the Trinity and the deity of Christ should, how you live and how you worship him. And so if right now you're going, Holy Spirit, I am a wall to this idea of God as father. Then you tell him that. So let me flush this out a little bit. Maybe some of you were growing up and you didn't have You had a father who didn't have a lot of time for you. Not not like intentionally, didn't go out of his way to be like, you're less important to me. He just didn't have time for you. And so you believe your heavenly father is kind of stuck with you. you. You believe like God is too busy for you. Or maybe you had a dad who never had a real meaningful conversation with you. Like he never just asked you How's it going? And, and, and really touched your heart. And as a result, you're the same way with others. You, you can't get there. And you're so busy and you don't know how to love and you crave this. You crave it in others so much so that you, you put it on them to give you it. And, the, and, and you're always frustrated with your relationships with people because they don't, they're not giving you that thing you've craved. And if that's you, the Holy Spirit, he wants to show you, he wants to, my prayer would envelop you with the love of the Father, whose presence, whose words, whose interests, whose interest in you has been for you and has been yours before you even began. A verse that came to mind, this is you, is Jeremiah 1. It says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. It's like, before you started, I, I knew everything. And maybe some of you, your dad was, uh, was critical or just easily annoyed. And so with God, you're, you either tried not to annoy him or upset him. You're always like, I'm sorry, I'm bringing this up again. And uh, even little problems you don't believe he's got your he, you have his ear Worse, you might even be here and, and I think there's someone here today who who would say i I honestly James have no aspiration of like being wanted by God I'm just happy that he doesn't hate me. I just don't want to be hurt by him. Some of you had earthly fathers that were just not protective they were they were just, they were cowards. They let you just do whatever you thought was, the, was in your heart to do. And they—and as a result, you're like, I'm not getting any boundaries or any sense of love or affection from you. And so I'm going to go find it sexually in others. And uh, as a result, you, you find it really hard to love your spouse the way God's calling you to. Because you have a lot of shame and you have a lot of, I don't, you don't even know how to process this kind of regret. And uh, the Bible wants us to hear, see what kind of love the Father has given us. You need to hear the Holy Spirit remind you that God is your Redeemer. And that the Father's heart today is for you to know he's covered your shame. Jesus bore that. If that's you and that's what happened in your life, he's bore on the cross. Your shame, Hebrews says, like he's protecting you right now. Like he's not absent and unloving. Instead, he's forgiving. That is not on you. That is not who you are in Jesus' name. Your shame went on Jesus so you could have a new power as a loved, dearly loved, cherished son and daughter of God. God the Father is not worried about losing you. He's not annoyed with you. He is not out to hurt you. He's not gonna let you go. How do we know? Because Jesus stayed on the cross. Jesus stayed on the cross so that God's judgment Everything that was condemned on us was condemned on him so that that would be satisfied. And now in Jesus, you would be securely adopted into the father's house as a son or daughter of God. He's guarded you from judgment, he's gonna guard you. He poured it out on Jesus so he could pour out his love on you. And when Jesus rose again, it was assurance that you will be secure with him forever. Now my point isn't to pull out some wounds to make you frustrated with your earthly fathers. Let me say this. Yes, they need to see and they need to repent. But listen, they could never give that to you. In Jesus, the father has come to bring bring us bring into us everything we've ever wanted to hear and have from our earthly ones. And right now through Jesus, you're dearly loved as a son or daughter of God. This is your position. You have to believe this as you believe the Trinity. You're dearly loved by the father. He says it again in verse two, beloved, we are God's children now. You don't need to earn it. Jesus has done it for you. In eternity, you will not be worshiping your earthly dad. You won't, that would be the worst. You will not be worshiping your earthly dad. Why are you worshiping him now? If anything, our job is to show you how we need the Father's love too. One thing I learned, so I began to do this regularly, is I tell my kids at least four times a year I'm not their real dad. Like I tell them that. And my wife's always like, well, you guys, you know, you shouldn't say this at school. But I'll tell them, and they, like, now they know when I say what I mean. Like, I'll say, I'm not your real dad. You guys know that, right? And they're like, you know, Neuron's always confused, but Gideon gets it right away. He's our, he's our, uh, like, (laughs) sweetest kid. He's eight years old, almost eight. He has ADHD, but he's the sweetest little boy. And he's like, I know, dad. He's like, you're not my dad. He's my dad. I'm like, you're right, buddy. And uh, I was like, who needs, who needs your real dad? Me. I need your real dad. And I said, like, yes, God has given me to you so that you can learn that there is another dad who loves you, and I'm supposed to show you the father's love. I'm supposed to give you the father's rules so that you know you're loved, but I'm not the best dad. He's the best dad. You don't need my acceptance. You, need, you, you have his in Jesus, and it's a better word. Seriously, we need to say sentences like that. Let me imagine, okay, Imagine, go back to that first question. Imagine with me, those of you uh, who still, maybe you're today, you're affected and scarred by the weight of wanting to please your dad. Imagine your dad's, picture your dad's face. I know, again, Holy Spirit, just help us not feel bitterness, but just picture your dad's face and imagine if he regularly said to you, hey, kiddo, I'm not the best dad. He's the best dad and you don't need my acceptance because you have a better one you have the love of God the Father because of Jesus and you can have his his love and he loves you and his forgiveness is what's most important and i want to love you like he loves me and one of my jobs is to keep telling you when i'm not a good dad so that I can show you I'm a child who needs a good dad. Okay, I literally had to do this two hours ago. So, you know, it's like the time change. Um, and like, like we covet a noise-free home in the mornings. Because like once the baby's up, or you know, you know as a like... You know what it's like if you if you have family and you have kids uh, and as a husband you're just up early because you want to protect your wife's sleep, and so if a kid makes a noise you go from like zero to ten right anyone any dads in me, so um so like we had these chairs and tables out in the hall I don't know why but we had them out in the hall and Joey our five year old knocks over the loudest table like right it's like five thirty it's his time six thirty, and. And then he comes downstairs where I'm trying to prep for this sermon. And I like, I lost it on him. I was like, what are you, like, I was like, some people are like, what does he look like when he's mad? <laughs> only, only some people, be- like my kids know the, like the, I'm mad and I lost And immediately the Holy Spirit's like, really? And I'm like, ah, and so, in that moment, I just got on my knees and said, hey, buddy, I should not have yelled at you. Will you forgive me? And I hugged him. I didn't want to say anything else. But two hours ago at 830, when he arrived here, I brought him up to the room where I get ready. And I just, I said these sentences to him. I said, you know, I'm not a really, like the best dad all the time. And I need a really good dad. And my dad had to forgive me today because I yelled at you and I really shouldn't have. And I was like, can you forgive me? And he's just beamed. And, uh, and we, we just hugged and I, but I, you know, I just, I think, I think that's what we need to feel God the Father. Okay, third verse that affirms the joys of our new position. He says it in, in, so if you have a Bible, you can look at it in chapter two, verse 29, but then he unpacks it in verse nine. He says it, so just look at verse nine, we might have it up. Yeah, we do, okay, so no one born of God makes a practice of sinning because, or for God's seed abides in him. And you can't keep on sinning because he has been born of God. So we're talking about our position. You need to have the joys of your position as dearly loved children of God. And one way you're gonna get this joy is in this verse. So so let me put it this way, our Position is not a category change or, um, you know, like an ide- not only an identity change. Meaning, okay, now you're forgiven and now you're accepted, and now you're adopted. Just believe that. No, 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 it's more. Look at what he says. Our position is new. There's a new life change. I mean, look at the language, God's seed abides in him. Many times in John's writing, he uses the word born of God. So you need to hear this. If you're not a Christian in this room or you're just kind of checking out Christianity, this is really important because this will make so much sense to you, I hope. A Christian is not just someone with new beliefs and a new way to find their path or their truth. That's not a Christian. A Christian is, is literally a miracle. It's someone who's new. They've been made new with a new seed. Paul says, uh, like, you're a new creation. You're a new creature. And, and so think about it in, in the sense of, like, if, you know, our kids reflect us because, you know, our seed is in them. Meaning, like, people point out all the time, like, oh, like, you know, whatever one of my kids do, that's so James. Like You know when you, you're you visiting, like, a newborn especially, and they're like, oh, they're so you, they're so you. They just pooped again, that's you. Um, that, that's what's happening. That's what a Christian, a Christian is someone who's who has a new seed in them, a new life in them. They're born again. It's what Jesus came to fulfill. The whole Old Testament was prophesying God would do for real human beings. Namely, he would, he would give them a new heart. He would take the laws, the way we actually have human flourishing and love God and love others. And he would write it in our hearts so that we would be this brand new kind of being. To be born again means you're existing and then you're a whole new person. You're you're born into a new realm. How you see things just are different. Your affections become now a new struggle with this old you and you're like, this is the worst, but it's new. And it's nothing, no one can undo that seed. You can't unbecome, like my kids cannot unbecome a Bonnie. You can't undo that. You can't destroy that. Satan can't touch that. You can't pull that away. So think about this on a doctrine level because God is eternal and that eternal seed is in us. We get eternal life because God is righteous. As this pastor says, that seeds in us, we will produce righteousness. It's happening. You can't not Change, you know, you put an apple seed in the ground and it will take time. And some of you are like, it's taking a lot of time. Some trees grow slower than others. But if you put an apple seed in the ground, you're gonna get apples. And if you're like, that means you got an apple tree in you because you wouldn't have this struggle if you didn't have apples, you'd be growing oranges. Are you with me on that? You're like, now he's talking about trees. No, you missed the analogy. All right, this leads us to the second and third point. So that's your position. Uh, You know what, before we get there, let me ask you, how's it going? Let me say this. If you don't believe you're dearly loved by God, your father, you need to repent of your unbelief or your self-obsession with trying to get that from the things on this earth. Because it is unbelief. You're believing other truths that are not true to God's word and his love. And that's something to repent of. Okay. Our pers- the joys of our perspective. The joys of our perspective. Look at verse two, beloved, we're God's children now and what we, so here's, here, here, this is perspective language. What we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes that's perspective. They're hoping in him in seeing him when he appears and hoping and becoming like him, purifies himself as he is pure. So this is the joys of our perspective. Everyone, he says, thus hopes in him, hopes again in the glorious new longing and expectation and t- anticipation that he will appear is purifying themselves. So what's the perspective? Well, the perspective of of a, of a child of God in this life is that yet there's something that you have now and it's not fully yet. And it's, it's fullness of becoming and looking like and, and having everything you hate about the things in your life that you wanna get rid of that Jesus has fully becoming ch- true for you. John's saying that, that our perspective and our mindset is that he's appearing again. He's coming again. This is what we're, we're hoping in. Like the stuff that we're, we're working on purifying with the Holy Spirit, the temptations that have so much pull that, that we're putting to death, that we're trying, that we have this battle we're in. We have this hope that that thing will be seen through when Christ appears. Boom. That's your hope. And that's how we were to breathe and have simultaneously in our lives is a truth for us. That, that as verse 28 says that when he appears, we might have confidence and not shrink back at his coming. How many of you, when you were younger, you had like that moment where you know, your parents walked in on you and you, you weren't you were doing something that you were, you should, you're supposed to do. Or you, were, you were kind of ashamed. Anybody have that moment? Anyone? Yeah. You've had that moment where your parents walked in and you were like, oh, I swear this was a good movie before you came in <laughs> and I just I, I only kissed her once you know you, you probably had that um, I, I think he's just saying like and I, just so you know like I got on my knees on Wednesday and just this morning for this one this is not real to me yet like I don't think like this I actually do not think that when I wake up in the morning I don't have hope for his appearing I don't So I was pleading with God all week that he would somehow work a miracle in my soul. And maybe I just have to memorize these verses, but that I I would actually really believe and have my hope set in his appearing again. I don't, I don't. So that's what I'm asking the Holy Spirit to do in my life. But, but, uh, but what he's saying is that if, if we like, you know, like if you knew, for example, you were going to. If you were gonna get an inheritance of $10 million in six years from now, that hard year two or three wouldn't, you would be like, that's it's fine. Like in three more years, I'm gonna get this. Like what you believe about the future changes how you live in the present. And and, and if you believe you're gonna see him like that, you're you're gonna you're gonna start shaping your priorities, the things that come into your mind and heart, the things that you're orienting your whole life around your priorities will change because if Jesus walked in the room of your life you you would want to set it up in a way that you wouldn't be like oh I'm so sorry like I was going to actually be a disciple who makes disciples like in 10 years I was just going to wait for my kids to grow up and then I was going to take you serious like that would you don't want that and I, I think he's just going like like don't be deceived by those who are just saying you don't really need to live for God or do what God's saying right now because they were okay I'm gonna skip this page number three I got a new timer by the way you can see it back there there's a countdown that tells me when I'm done. So you guys are like really thanking the Lord for that. You're like, Oh, praise God. Cause he goes for like an hour. Um, so at least he sees you as a minute and 20 seconds, but I'm gonna at least go five over. So uh, number three, number three, the joys of our practice. So we've seen the joys of our position in perspective. Uh, verse 29, if, if he says this, if you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of God. That's where I get this P word. So uh, whoever practices, we wanna look at the joy of our new practices. So we're, we're asking this text to speak to the way we actually practically live out being children of God. So you need to look at the actions of your life. Um, so, If you know that he is righteous, so God's actions are righteous, his life's a lot like Jesus' life. Like we we get righteousness by looking at Jesus. So we should look like Jesus. You may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness, who looks like Jesus has been born of God's seed. That makes sense, right? That makes sense. Um, And that's supposed to be comforting, by the way. In other words, if the seed in us is from God who is righteous, the actions that will flow through us will be like God's because we're becoming righteous. Look at verse four. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness, okay? So if you've been sleeping at all, this is really important. You need to hear this. What is lawlessness? Lawlessness, is a belief that there's no recognition of authority beyond yourself. There's no law over you. So everyone in Judges, for example, the major theme that runs through the the brokenness that is the context of Judges, is everyone did what was right in their own eyes. So lawlessness is you saying, or people saying, I am over God's word in my life. Like there's, there's no law on me. Um, I'm, I'm not a slave to Christ. Christ set me free so I can just I can pursue my own truths. I can pursue my own desires. So, so here's what he's saying. A professing believer who is habitually saying and continually says, I'm gonna keep sinning. I'm gonna keep living out this desire that I know is contrary to God's will. He is saying is in lawlessness and has the devil as their father. So people who leave the church and say, I was a Christian, I still am a Christian and I, but they say I'm kind of above the accountability of the word. I, I don't think God would say this to me. I, I don't need to obey all this old Christian doctrine that was specific to a specific time. John would say, that's just a different doctrine and you have a different father. And, and he would say this, like God's word is his life. Meaning God's word is his flourishing. So, that, so, so the happiness that we long to have and experience that was meant for our souls is one where we're obeying and trusting and living out of God's word. And it's evidence that you have God's seed if that's, what's going on in your life. He says, look at verse five. He's like, this is why Jesus came by the way. Like he appeared in verse five to take away sins. That's like, that's what's hindering us. That's what was hampering us. That's what's dehumanizing us. If anything, Jesus has come to take care of the biggest mess that's infected and affected everything. This was the main objective to redeem us from so that we could be brought in. And it's the reason he's showing up. So he's like, let no one deceive you. That's why Christ came, not to free you so you can keep sinning in different new ways to to kill that because in him, there's no sin. This is why he says, no one who has relationship with him in verse six, no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has ever seen him or known him. Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying no one who's spending regular life with Jesus, knowing him, experiencing him, wanting to worship him, if that's how you're spending your life as a believer, is going to not care what the the God you're worshiping says about your life. Okay, so if I'm in a relationship with my wife and I tell her like, I really love you, but I keep bringing in women all the time into my home, and she questions me like, I thought you loved me. You know what? I'm going to love you on Sundays and I'm going to love you when we can do this and this. You would be like, meh. <laughs> and and, and then, like that's what he's saying. Like he, you know, Someone who says, I know Jesus hates this, but he loves me, doesn't work. None of those, I mean, let me say that this way. He does love you. I mean, if you're, he, he loves you. But what you need to know is if you're there this morning, his love is gonna reveal some things to you where you need to repent. Eugene Peterson, he translates in the message this way, none of those who do practice sin have taken a good look at Christ. Okay, so, so, so let me get a little pastoral here because the last thing God is after this morning is some moral performance without any heart or relationship to him. I mean, that's the last thing. He's not saying gain salvation by practicing or obey the law, and if you do, then you're a child. That's the last thing. You know, you've been transformed by the spirit. You will produce the same fruit as Jesus. You will be hungry for the kind of character that you love so much in Jesus. He's saying, don't be deceived by those who are like, you can have Christian beliefs and live however you want. He's saying, oh, son and God, daughter of God. Follow me, abide in me. It's strong language. But, but <clears throat> again, let me, people have come to me and they're like really troubled by this passage, right? They'll say things like, um, I've done something really bad and I don't know if I'm a Christian. And I'm really worried about if I'm a Christian or not because I've, I've either committed adultery over and over or I've, I've done something really bad. I've really wrecked someone's career. I've lied. I've taken, I've cheated. I can't be a Christian. I have no hope. I can't believe I've done this thing. I can't believe. And um, I learned early on from just being in ministry and from other pastors is I'll say, why do you believe that? And they'll say something like, well, like, you know, the Bible says that if you keep sinning, you know, You're not from God. And they'll feel this incredible angst. And they'll say something like, real Christians don't sin. And I've been told that real Christians don't don't do things like this. So here's the question we need to approach this person with. If you're discipling this person or you yourself are right there today. Is why has it taken you so long to be so hopeless? What do you mean? Well, in Philippians four and Matthew six, we read about intense worry, right? How worry is a sin, it's a lack of faith in God. And if you're me, like you're, you're worrying all the time, amen? Anyone, someone laughed, they're like, yep. Yeah. So you might've been committing adultery, adultery recently, which is a terrible thing, but you've been worrying for a long time, so why weren't you afraid of your salvation then? Like if, if you're right, and this really means that if you're a Christian, you never do any individual acts of sin, that you should have been worried a long time ago, or coveting, or not tithing your money. You should be really worried. It can't be what it means because in 1 John 1a, just two chapters earlier, we saw John say, if anyone says they have no sin, they're a liar. And it says, when you do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. It doesn't say, when you do sin, that shows you you're not a Christian. It says, when we do sin, listen, it assumes we're going to sin. It assumes we're going to sin. So, what does this mean? What it means is not that those people and again, maybe that's you this morning, and you're beating yourself up and you're not believing your love by the Father. And, and it doesn't mean that you're not a Christian. What it does mean, and this is very convicting. here's what this means, it means if you're born of God, the, the prevailing habit, habit and sins and patterns of your life will not go unchanged that you will be changing, that there has been a change being made. And too many Christians assess themselves in the crisis and they don't look at how they've been changing over a long period of time. And if your hunger for God, your love for God, your hate of sin hasn't grown, then you can ask him, Holy Spirit, make me new. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe he died for me and rose again. And I I want to be a Christian today. But most of you in this room, probably all of you who are saying you're a believer, you need to know God's seed is not a tidal wave. It's a seed. And some seeds take time. And we're called to water them in spiritual disciplines. We're called to Grow fruit on Jesus's mission. We're called to obey God's word. That's why you're in this room, because His seeds in you, and you're excited. So here's the question I want to ask as we close: What do you need to purify with the work of the Holy Spirit? Maybe it's a character. Maybe it's a habit. Maybe it's unrepentant sin. Maybe it's a dark place. What has, or listen, who has too much power in your life? What is still a secret for you? And immediately the Holy Spirit just pointed you to something. Be encouraged. Like that was God. Like God is in this room and he's purifying. Because, listen, you're righteous. And until you believe that you're loved by the Father because the order matters, you won't have what he's wanting to purify be pure. But you will never be content because the seed in you is righteousness until you purify that thing. So the question... Is what are you going to do about it? All right, let me pray. Uh, Father, we we want to respond right now, and some of us don't want to respond. Like some of us just want to run out of here and just kind of scream in our hearts. And I just pray that you would minister to us. I pray as we sing that you would minister to us. I pray that that Holy Spirit, you would not let us leave this room if we haven't heard this word as true for us, I pray you wouldn't take communion if we haven't asked you to press deep into our hearts that we are dearly loved by you, Father, And I pray we would respond with faith. And I pray that we would get prayer if we need it. I thank you that we have joys. Lord, I I pray that we wouldn't find this something by your spirit as unbearable, but as joy. I pray we would think regularly this week the joys of our position the joys of the fact that you're coming again and we'll see you. I pray that would bring happiness into our real everyday life. And I pray that we would have happiness in wanting to live holy lives. So only you can do that. And I pray you would in Jesus' name.